Welcome to episode 216 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Real Good Foods, Omnipod, Dexcom, and Dancing for Diabetes. You can learn more about our sponsors at juiceboxpodcast.com or in the show notes of the podcast app that you're listening to right now. There's links right in there. You can also go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dancing the number four diabetes.com. And when you place an order at realgoodfoods.com and use the offer code juicebox, you'll save 20% on your entire order. I've been power listening to the podcast for about, I don't know, five months. So. I'm mostly caught up now. That's something my guest Dana said to me before we started to record. And I hear that from so many of you. I just want to take a second to say thank you for all of you that go back to the beginning and start from scratch. It's amazing. I really appreciate it. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical plan or becoming bold with insulin. This is Dana. She was originally diagnosed as a type 2 later in life, you know, but she wasn't. She had type 1 diabetes. She's got a really interesting management style, and I love talking to her. She's uh, doing MDI, but with Dexcom, and she's pretty low carb. This was a fun conversation that went in a ton of directions. I'm guessing you imagined that to be true when you saw the title, Flying Polar Bears. So sit back and relax and listen to the Juice Box Podcast. Guys, I edited this the night before it went up. I had to fly somewhere the next day and it almost killed me. It's so late here. I'm really tired. I'm Dana Appleblatt. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes almost four and a half years ago when I was 42. So more than a little bit of a shock. That must have been quite a bad day because <laughs> may I, may I say why I think this, uh, and maybe you'll have a completely different answer, which we'll hear in a second. I have said this in the past, but I very unreasonably have set up, um, milestones for age where I feel like if I pass them, then there's certain diseases I'm not going to get. Um, I don't know why I, th- trust me, there's no reason for this idea, but I was always like, if I can get out of my twenties without this happening, then that'll never happen. And if I get out of my thirties without that happening, I always think if I can get past 50 and I don't get divorced, then what would even be the reason to get divorced? And then, you, you know, like someone would have, you know, over 50, that's when you just like, one of us is going to shoot the other one. We're not, but I'm not going through any legal means to get, get rid of you. <laughs> it's just too much work at that age. No one's going to put that kind of effort in after that kind of time. Right. But I think type one, even though we know, obviously from listening to the podcast and hearing uh, people who have been on the past who were diagnosed at 60, it happens. It's just not something you expect to happen. So what did you, what were your symptoms at first? I always joke that I got diagnosed accidentally because I was the only symptom I really had was I was losing weight. I lost, I don't know, probably 15 pounds in maybe three months. Oh, you must have been so thrilled at first. I was excited, but I kept saying, I hope I don't have cancer. That's what I would have thought. See? Because you and I, <laughs> I share a brain. Yeah, yeah, you and I share a brain. I would have been like, in the 40s, losing weight, not trying, definitely cancer. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. I don't, I'd eat ice cream with a friend, and I'm like, that was three pounds. That's great. <laughs> Can I ask you something? When you had that initial thought, right, of obviously I'm not supposed to lose weight in my 40s by eating food uh, that's ice cream, did you just 
live in it for a little bit where you're like, well, let me ride this out a little bit because if I do go, I want to look really nice at the end or like what was, what, what did it make you do next? Absolutely nothing. That's, <laughs> that's what I would have probably done too. <laughs> and it, it would have spiraled if it weren't for my pancreas isn't the only organ that hates me. Oh, okay. So I went to the emergency room completely unrelated uh, and it turned out I was anemic because uh, my, we'll go with one of your words, my lady parts hated me. <laughs> I get yelled at for lady parts <laughs> on social media the other day. Apparently I said period and this person came up and they were like, thank you. Thank you for saying period and not lady parts. And I was like, oh gosh, oh, gosh. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> I felt so bad when it was over. I was like, I thought it was funny. But okay, so you were having uh, excessive bleeding that led to anemia. Yes. So I went to the emergency room and they informed me that I was anemic and asked how long I had been diabetic. <laughs> you were like, well, you said it three seconds ago, so I'm going to go with four seconds. I've, I've been yeah. There. And a friend had gone with me and we looked at each other. I was like, wait, what? I'm not diabetic. And my blood sugar was 300. Yeah. Well, you ate a lot of ice cream. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, so you th so you went in for one thing that was I'm assuming pretty scary to begin with because anemia is crazy. Like when yes. you, when your iron gets low, like raising your hand up to tap yourself in the forehead becomes an issue. You're just like I can't get my hand that high. And it was my my heart was just it felt like it was exploding. Right, which is why my friend talked to me after about three days of it into you'd really need to see somebody. Mm -hmm. and, and they said you know after this you should also go see your doctor about your sugar. Oh, they just thought you were kind of like, for the lack of a better term, you were just non-compliant with your blood sugar. I think so, yeah. Oh, interesting. And so, at my age, that I had type 2, and I just right, right. was lying about what I ate. And Yeah, did, they, did you at any point in that conversation say, I don't understand, this has never been said to me before? I, yeah, I was shocked. And my friend actually looked at me and she said, what did you eat today? I would have been like, hey. Like, wait. Yeah, I'm down I 15 need a low pounds, carb lady. <laughs> I started eating low carb before this ever happened. And oh, I said, uh, half of a sugar free protein bar. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, who knows what it would have been if I had cookies that afternoon. You, between that and the low iron, you must have been dazed. Like, yeah. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can imagine you were probably just like, okay, I don't know what's happening. And, no, and I was clueless. So, do they. Is that the appointment where they tell you you have type 1, or do you have to go somewhere else to find that out? Oh, yeah. No, that dragged on. So I went. I didn't have a, a doctor because I, I was completely healthy, mm. I thought. So you know, I went to my gynecologist to address that problem, and then I made an appointment. There's a clinic uh, at the company where I work for, and I went in, and the next day she left me a voicemail and said, you have diabetes. Go pick up this bottle of metformin and go see this endocrinologist. Okay. Right to the type. So she assumed type 2. two. Yeah, right to the type 2. Okay. So then I couldn't get an appointment with him for a month. So I just took the pills, went and had a hysterectomy to cause the anemia, to fix the anemia problem. Mm -hmm. And after a month, when I went to finally see an endocrinologist, he walked in the room and he said, you have no family history. And based on your size, I think you have type one. Isn't it interesting so how many bad, bad assumptions were made? You see the, you see the clinic who, because of your age, just thinks you're type 2, gives you the metformin, does no real testing. Just, here, take these pills. Yep. And, and then you talk to another doctor who says, no, 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 you're, not, you're thin. You're not type 2. Like, wait, mm -hmm. does anyone know what they're talking about? <laughs> and you right. probably didn't know at that point, right? You didn't have any context for any of these diabetes and their forms, did you? No, my, co my context was the only thing I knew about type 1 was it happened to kids. Mm -hmm. 
that you, you know, have the, diabetes. Yeah. There's, there's no press there. So I'm like, how on earth did I get type 2? But I looked at the woman and I said, I'll have this fixed within a year. I'll be off these pills. Right. I was. <laughs> yeah, probably sooner, right? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I actually, my endo had let me, he had me keep taking them for a while. He's like, well, they can't hurt, um, but they just destroyed my stomach. I mean, it was not a long-term medication for me. Yeah, metformin also gets, um, gets um, prescribed off-label for weight loss, too. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. Once, once he stuck the insulin in my stomach, that uh, the weight came back pretty quickly. You were like, "Oh, there goes the ice cream." And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I, the dream is over. The dream. Yeah. Now we're into the nightmare. Dreams over. Nightmare time. Yeah, certainly. So, so how long until you figured out I shouldn't be taking this metformin? I took it probably. Gosh, at least six months I kept taking it. Okay. Just because you were told. And then to. I had, just because he said, well, it, it may help. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, you know, insulin resistance and all that. And, you know, it was, it was, it was another nightmare. Right. Yeah. It just made you, it just probably made you really well acquainted with your periodicals in the bathroom, probably. So. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I've been through this People magazine three times. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I still don't know why Taylor Lautner's famous, uh, but 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 there, but there he is, and I don't know why Taylor Lautner popped in my head. I've never even seen one of those glowy vampire movies, but that's fine. So well, um, so wait, wait, I'm so sorry. So were you using MDI at that point, though, right? And still are? Yes, okay. I still am. Yeah, four and a half years later, I'm on pens. Okay, and so you're using pens. You're using Levamir, Lantus, Tricia, which you, which. Slow uh, we've made the rounds. I started with Lantis, and then he switched me to Tujeo, and then my insurance refused to cover either of those. So now I'm on Traceba. Okay, <laughs> you are taking the tour, the slow acting tour. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so, exactly. If that has anything to do with what we end up talking about, slow acting tour is really a good title for the episode. But we'll see where that goes. Um, <laughs> just because people will look at it and go, I don't know what that means, and I think that will make them listen. My wife's like, No, they really would like to be told what they're going to listen to. And I'm like, I don't see it that way. She's like, You're an idiot. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> So <laughs> um, anyway, that that's my own personal thing. I so you're just doing you're doing injections, but you said you also started eating low carb. But what point in your life were you like low carbing it for the? But before the I started. Yeah, it was before. I started around, I think I was 35. Okay. And it was for weight loss. And ironically, I thought, you know, this may help me avoid diabetes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't quite pan out that way. But... No, and it broke your uterus. And so... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> so it's Friday. If anyone who's listening to this should know that it's Friday and I've taken a shower, which I usually get up, record early and then start my day. So I'm like wide awake in a different way. And I'm panicking because Arden has what feels like 97 softball games this weekend. And I'm oh. already going, uh, I wonder if I could talk her into quitting. Like, like if I just slipped her some money, like I'd be like, Hey, how much would it take for you to just bail on this softball thing is it 200 what's the number exactly and and you know like do you need a credit card to express or something like what would you what does a 14 year old want right because i I don't want to get up early on saturday and drive all the way there and uh but i'm going to anyway i'm i think i'm using up my good energy right now uh, so that i can complain all weekend i am really at those softball games i'm the person who if you get aside just looks at you and goes oh my god this is horrible what are we doing 
this is a disaster. Why am I here? Where are we? Is that a dumpster that I smell? Or is that New Jersey? What is it I smell? Well, how did we get here? What a horrible town. That's just for three hours. That's if you stand anywhere near me, that's what I'll do. And um, I do it for fun. And I have a couple of people who believe in that. Uh, the rest of them stay really far away, which was the other option I do it for, just to keep people at arm's length a little bit. Like, don't come over here. I'll tell you your kid sucks. That's <laughs> I mean, I'm upset and I've eaten lunch at Wawa, which means something to some people who are listening to this, and it's upsetting. So I'm so sorry. I'm, so I'm giddy is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, um, so, okay, so you are diagnosed. You're 42. You're on pens. You try the metformin. You get off the metformin. You're low-carb. And you're doing really well. Like you're you're not having an unexpected result because you're when you say low carb, what does that mean in the course of a day for carbs? As soon as this ad ends, Dana's gonna tell you how many carbs she eats in the course of a normal day. What you can do later is go to realgoodfoods.com and see how many pizzas and enchiladas and poppers Dana could have had with those carbs. It's gonna be a lot more food than you think because real good foods is high in protein and low in carbohydrates. I'm talking about chicken crust pizza, cauliflower crust pizza, chicken poppers, enchiladas, mini pizza snacks, variety packs of all your favorite stuff. It's, uh, look, I'm looking at it right now. Personal Supreme, personal pepperoni, personal three cheese. How about chicken crust pizzas? Large three cheese, large Supreme, large pepperoni. Enchiladas come in cheese, pork, chicken. And you can get a mix pack of all that if you want to. Now, with the chicken poppers, you can get jalapeno and white cheddar, artichoke and cheese, pepperoni and mozzarella, and again, a mixed case if you like. That wonderful cauliflower crust pizza comes in pepperoni, vegetable, margarita, and cheese. You know there's a mixed case of that as well. Don't act like you didn't know. Here's the best part. I'm going to skip over a bunch of other stuff that they have here. You'll have to go find out about the rest of it. You're going to get there see the different foods, think to yourself, wow, that is an incredible amount of protein and a really small amount of carbohydrates. I think I'm going to try some. Now, here's the greatest part. When you do that at checkout, use the offer code JUICEBOX. So go to realgoodfoods.com, use the offer code JUICEBOX. When you do, you will save 20% on your entire order. What that means for people like me who are not good with math, I figured it out earlier before I recorded this and wrote it down. Spend $100, save $20, right? Isn't that amazing? If you spend $200, you'll save $40. You know, I recognize that my incredible math skills have probably dizzied you for a second. You're not quite ready to listen to the podcast yet. So let me just remind you about this one other really important thing before we get back to Dana. I need you to go to dancingfordiabetes.com. It's dancing4diabetes.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram where they post some amazing stuff about their work with children with type 1 diabetes. And you definitely want to see that. Then you got to go check out the website because they got something called Touch by Type 1 coming up. We'll talk more about that later. Now let's find out how many carbs they need every day. Oh, gosh. I had maybe 50. I haven't tracked it in a long time. It's generally pretty low carb. Um, I, I low carb tortillas. You know, it's not that I it's not that I've gotten rid of everything in my house that that you can work with. I eat a ton of Mexican food and put it on low carb tortillas. So right. at least the damage isn't as bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you, do you avoid sugar at all or do you avoid it a little bit or is it just, I do try to avoid sugar. I'm not, I was never really a big fan of like bread, rice and pasta. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't eating them but other than, you know, pizza on bread. Right. I wasn't eating a lot of bread to begin with. <laughs> 
I, I think it's stuff that I didn't like in the first place. Gotcha. So, so you're not, I, I hear what you're saying. You didn't make some like willful, like I'm cutting all this stuff out of my life. You sort of weren't that person to begin with. It's interesting. I am in a similar situation. If I thoughtfully don't eat sugar for a couple of days, then I might never eat it again. It just, it doesn't occur to me. But, but last week as I went to visit my son in college and he's like, can you bake cookies and bring them? And yeah, I went to baking school and I've been a stay at home dad for 20 years. So I was like, sure, I'll bake cookies because apparently this is my job. So I baked these cookies, which by the way, if you're wondering, I use a milk chocolate and a semi-sweet chip in the same cookie, which really is just a delight. Very nice. Yes. Ah, because your, your mouth goes, Ooh, semi, Oh, milk. It's lovely. Anyway, so what happens is I make the cookie and then I go, hey, these look good. Let me just make sure. And I put one in my mouth, and then I eat a dozen cookies. And so, <laughs> but if I but if I didn't eat the first one, I don't run around all day thinking, hmm, a cookie would be good today. It's very yeah, that's yeah. I'm that, similar. I was never a snacker, so if I had snack food in my house, it would just eventually get tossed. Yeah, and that's something. It's it it really is interesting. I've said it. I don't know how many times I've said it here. Not too often, but I don't love food. And I know that's such a weird statement because so many people are like, oh, my favorite dish or my favorite restaurant. I just, if that little pill in the beginning of the Jetsons was real, I think I'd be thrilled. You, you know, like just so sure. it takes two seconds and I eat it and I don't die. Like that's how it, to me, that's how food should be in my opinion. But, but there's something about me. I don't know if it's how I grew up or what it is. But if I hit something crunchy or cakey, then I'm done. And then I retain water like a pregnant lady. And so it's, it's terrible. It's like somebody's joking with me. And so like I've meaningfully gone to lose weight over the last couple of weeks because I'm going to speak in Ohio at a JDRF thing. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, I'm going to have to do something here. So I, 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 um, I went on that, um, potato diet that people use to launch into veganism. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not. No. You basically eat baked potatoes and as many of them as you want. And that's all that you eat. And you put nothing on them. And it is, it's supposed to reset your, um, kind of like your taste buds and your brain about sugar and everything. And I, and it teaches you about quantity of food too, because you have this hunger, you eat a potato that's, you know, half the size of a softball or smaller even, and you go, okay, well, I'm full. And you realize it's horrible. It, it, oh, it's, it's terrible. But listen, and then, and then so you, you're not allowed to put salt on it. You're not allowed to put pepper on it. You can't put butter on it. It's the potato. You're eating the potato. And you can have as many as you want. So the first day, you're a little hungry and you eat a couple extra. And the next day, you're like, I don't want to eat all these potatoes. So you don't eat as much. Then the hunger kind of dissipates. Mm. And then you learn about portion size. You learn about how hungry am I actually. And, and I learned this interesting thing about the potato. Because if you would have told me baked potato, do you like a baked potato? I would have thought, oh, my God, yeah. A little sea salt and pepper. I cracked the pepper. And a little butter over top. It's fantastic. I realize now the potato is a delivery system for the salt and the butter. I um I don't actually like the potato that much. And and it was okay. it was very interesting. And I dropped fifteen pounds in nine days. And I was like wow. I was like, wow, that really worked. And so Quite good for you. Right. So then I went back to a more sensible, like, you know, diet. Like I was a little more thoughtful about it. And what that means for me is I eat more because I don't think to eat. I get up in the morning, I don't eat, I don't really eat, I don't eat, I don't eat. I think my body thinks I'm on a desert island and I'm dying and it holds on to every ounce of fat and liquid I have, you know? And so I'm eating more and I continue to lose weight. And I was like, oh, this is great. So I'm up to 20 pounds. I'm under a number I haven't been under in quite some time. 
And yesterday I thought, I'm going to do that potato thing again, but now I'm going to do it for five days and see what happens. And so I started it on, I started it on Tuesday, I think this week. And I just jumped on the scale this morning. I'm four pounds lighter than I was on Tuesday. And I was like, that's crazy. This is insane. But, and, and cause the potatoes are a ton of carbs, right? And I would think those carbs yeah. would break down into sugar. I don't know what my blood sugar is or, you know, like, but I, I can tell you that it is, it's working incredibly. And so the idea that there are different ways to manipulate how your body reacts, depending on what you take in is becoming clearer and clearer to me as we're talking. And so I'm really interested in the no the low carb thing because the only experience I've ever really had with low carb is that we did try it in our twenties once, like when the Atkins diet was popular and it, sure, I it, did it back at that time too. Right. And it really worked. Like it was like astonishing, mm-hmm. but there's a moment, there was a moment for me when I said, I can't eat another chicken wing. I can't like, like I, just, I can't, I can't. like the idea of any grease and any meat just made you want to like throw yourself out a window at some point. Um, but my, by God, it, it really did work. But you're sort of the, you're in the middle. You're eating carbs. You're just not eating a ton of them, and you're staying away from sugar. What does that do to your insulin consumption? How much? Like, so, you, I mean, you're an adult. How much insulin do you use in the course of the day? Um, probably between. You know, I'm a, a Citracebo. I'm doing 23 units right now, and the Novolog. It's probably in the 20s. Okay. In terms of units a day, because I still need it for everything. So I have eggs and bacon for breakfast and I need Novolog. Sure. Um, just to sort of handle the protein factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, not something people think about, but it is, it's incredibly common and, and it's not like, it's not just common, it, it, it's needed. I think sometimes people think that it's not, they don't realize that the last bolus they had is still working when they don't think it is and I ate this stuff and I didn't need any insulin. You probably were getting low anyway. These eggs and bacon may have helped stop that. And you don't, you don't end up realizing it at the time. Um, it's, right. But still, that was sort of a learning curve over time. Yeah. 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 Well, because they tell you it's free food at first. Right. Or did you get any kind yes. of real, did you, what kind of direction did you get after you were finally, I mean, from the guy who said you're not heavy, so you can't have type two, he must not have known a ton about diabetes. Right. He taught me nothing. Um, I always, you know, I'm always so fascinated when I hear the stories about hospital stays and nurse practitioners and CDEs. I did see a CDE once. She wanted to tell me what a carb was. And when I told her I ate a low carb diet, that was the last time we met. And my endo basically showed me uh, how to use a glucose meter, how to do an injection, which by the next morning I was, because I was so blindsided by you have type one, mm-hmm. I had to go read the instructions on how to use a pen. Yeah. Um, and that's it. I didn't hear the word basal or bolus or ketone or fast acting glucose. Like he told me nothing. Everything came off the internet. Honestly, what's your professional background? Is there something about your professional background that made them think you would know? No, um, I analyze data for a living. Yeah. So it's not no medical because there are medical people that come on all the time who their biggest complaint is that doctors just think, Oh, you must know. So they don't tell them anything. And that, that, yeah. that, that happens a lot. And they leave and they go, I'm not that kind of a doctor. I don't know anything about this. And, and you, they get that kind of, it's extra respect that ends up hurting them. And I didn't know if that was happening. So it's more your age, right? It's that you're an, you're an adult probably. I, I think it's part of it. And I, and I don't know, you know, I, I'm not sure I have really the greatest doctor in the world. Um, 
And every time I think about switching, I'm like, but he does write me the prescriptions I ask for in the quantities I want. Yeah, that's what you need, really. That's <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, really all I need. Your A1C is crazy. And how's my your... A1C, yeah. yeah. So, and I just saw him last month, and so that's I see him every six months now, and that's two in a row that we're under five. Yeah, and and how's your variability? You don't have do you, do you have a lot of lows and highs, or are you pretty much on a stable? Track? It's it's typically fairly stable. He actually asked me. He's of course concerned that I'm going low all the time, mm-hmm. and so he he looks at me. He said, "Well, how do you feel when you get low, like in the '70s?" And yeah. I said, "70s aren't low. Like '80s, fantastic for me." Right. Right. And that was the end of the conversation. So <laughs> next guy, next time he wants to see my Dexcom clarity, I usually bring I just bring him a ninety day printout off the off the Dexcom. And uh, now he wants me to my clarity app wasn't working for a while, and he was like, "Well, you, you need to reload that. I want to see your data." Like, okay, that's fine. You should have said, "I want to see your diploma." <laughs> <laughs> I want to see his numbers. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thought is could you wear a Dex for a week and show me, you know. Are you are you hitting seventy? Because I'm I'm guessing you probably are. Of course, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, my son was sick two weeks ago, and he looked right through me like he couldn't see me. I was like, "Are you all, are you all right?" And he was just so sick. I figured his blood sugar must be pretty low. Like we fed him to kind of like, okay. And he popped back. You know, he doesn't have diabetes, and he was just he was just really sick. And yeah, and yeah, people's and we talked about it in the past. You know, the first pr- person to bring it up was Terry. There's an episode at the very beginning of the show called Terry Lives on a Boat, which ironically, yeah. which uh, incidentally, excuse me, not ironically, but incidentally, Terry does not live on that boat anymore. But I'm not going oh. back and changing the title. Anyway, um, and he, Terry's the one that brought it up to me the first time. He said, you know, people who don't have diabetes, regularly their blood sugar will drop once or twice a day into the 60s and sit there for a little bit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, so then it's not going to kill anybody. Gotcha. Right. It, it, you know, it's the, the continuing to fall that is the problem. So, um, can you walk me through a little bit just about what a, what a meal day is like for you? Like in the morning you get up, what do you eat? Uh, eggs and bacon typically. So I take breakfast and lunch with me to work every day just cause I don't want to deal with it at home. Um, so I sort of bulk cook on the weekends and it's eggs and bacon for breakfast. Lunch is usually some sort of chicken something this week I had, I make chicken parm without breading. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of chicken, mostly it's chicken for lunch and dinner, but there's a lot of Mexican stuff. I do a lot of stuff with salsa and cheese. Um, sometimes with the low carb tortillas, I, you know, I'll do burgers once in a while, taco meat, that kind of thing. So, you know, there's carbs in sort of the seasoning mixes and things like that, but even Chinese seasoning mixes, if you don't throw rice in there and if you use like an artificial sweetener instead of sugar, it's not really going to have that huge an impact. Bonus points if you heard the word impact and thought, Scott's going to put an ad right here. You were correct. Omnipod, people. What are you doing? You wearing a pump right now? Are you? Is it an Omnipod? Because if it's not, now's the time to give it a whirl. You understand what I'm saying? Summer coming. It's going to get warm outside. You don't want all that tubing in the pool. Oh, wait. You can't wear your pump in a pool, can you? Or in the shower. But you could wear an Omnipod there. Want to find out more? I think maybe you do. Let's try this. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Let's see what comes up. Request a free experience kit. Why, that sounds like something you want to do. I mean, it is free. Let's see what it says here. 
Try a pod for free to experience how liberating it truly can be. I believe that. If you're considering insulin pump therapy, they say, the best way to understand the comfort and convenience the pod offers is to try it firsthand. Again, hard to argue with. So you can get a free experience kit, which includes a sample, non-functioning pod. You can see what you think. Look, Arden has been wearing an Omnipod since she was four years old, and she's about to turn 15. The best I can tell you from my experience is that Omnipod has been nothing but safe and effective. It's been a friend through this. It's allowed us to do things that, honestly, we could not have done with other pumps. The no-tubing aspect of Omnipod is just undescribably amazing. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Check out the experience kit. I think you're going to like it. How was your energy from being, I found being low carb, I had more energy than I, than I recognized. Does I don't even notice it anymore. It's yeah. been so long. When I did start going low carb, it was amazing. I was jumping out of bed way earlier on the weekend, wanted to do stuff. And now I think it's just sort of the way I, you are, you know, it's, yeah. it's every day. And, you know, I'm getting older, so I don't know. That I, I certainly don't think I have the same energy I had when I was 35. Yeah. But, you know, I go to work, I go to the gym, I come home. You know, it's, it makes for long days, but I certainly had the energy to get through it every day. <laughs> I woke up the other day and I was laying in bed on my side facing the, the outside of the bed thinking, get up, get up, get up. <laughs> and, and I just, I was like, oh. So I took my foot and I kind of curled it over the side of the mattress, dug my heel into the side of the mattress, and used my heel to slide my butt towards the end. I was like, I was just like, here we go. Like, if I fall off, I'll get up. That's what I thought. I thought, there's no way I'm going to lay on the floor. So <laughs> if I just fling myself towards the side of the bed, I bet you I stand up. Um, but, and I don't – it worked, by the way. Just in case you're wondering. <laughs> I, mean, I may try that strategy. I, I did like, not want to get out of bed today I either. Like, Here I come. So, um, but what I was gonna what I was gonna say is, I mean, in this house, there's no like sense of low carb here. It, it's not, right. you know, it just it isn't. You know, Arden left this morning. She told me last night. It's funny how this happened. I was eating potatoes all day, so my stomach <laughs> my stomach was rumbling around nine o'clock last night. Sure. While I was watching the Eagles beat the Giants. And um, Arden was laying with me and she put her head on my chest and she's like, oh my God, your stomach is making so much noise. And I said, well, yes, I ate four baked potatoes today. <laughs> and so I said, "I'm my body's getting accustomed to that again. And um, which, by the way, is funny. After a couple of days of that, the hunger really does, it goes away. And, okay. And it, when I had that hunger pang, what I was supposed to do is just eat another potato. But it was like nine o'clock, and I was like, I can live without the potatoes. So anyway, she says your your stomach's rumbling. It made her say, my stomach was really rumbling today. So she's gone into high school now. She's on two different schedules. It's an A day and a B day. One oh. one of the days she eats actually right now at ten thirty, but on the other day, which is today, it's not till eleven thirty. So I think that that back and forth day after day, like, you know, lunches at 1030, lunches at 1130, she doesn't, Arden's not a t like a huge eater in the morning, but she's like on those 1130 days, I can hear my stomach too. And it's like, okay. I said, well, I said, well, just, you know, eat something in the morning. I don't care. You know, like do let's, let's do that then because I don't force her or not force her to eat. She has a big lunch. And so this morning, kind of unprepared for the idea yet still wanting to grab something, she took something that looked like a packaged cake with icing on it. 
And oh. she's like, I'm going to eat this. And I was like, when? And she's like, I don't know, now? And I was like, what? wait, what? Okay. <laughs> so I bolused for it. I over bolused for it a little bit. But we're in a, an interesting spot these last, it feels like it's been a year, but it's about the last week and a half. I think Arden has a little underlying cold or she's growing because she's eating so much food and her insulin. Mm. So there's a little bit of both, right? It started with the cold, which just made me think, oh, she's a tiny bit insulin resistant. I'll just keep pushing. Then the cold kind of went away and I'm like, this is still happening. It's more insulin than I think. It's, you know, bigger boluses than I'm used to. This whole thing's going on. She said the other day, am I eating a lot? And I was, oh. and I thought you are like, you're eating a lot more food than you're, than you're accustomed to. And she said, I Kelly said, she must be growing. And I was like, you know what? That's what's going on here. So yesterday I took, um, what I had kind of like, kind of sussed out to a, a basal rate on her pump. That was, I think three or four different ones a day. There were three during the day that were pretty close to each other. They were just about timing in the day to kind of cut back. So she doesn't get low at certain times. And there was one for overnight that was less. And I just started a new basal program and I made it one basal program for 24 hours to the highest level that she's, that she was at, which for Arden is 1.4 an hour. Okay. Okay. And after almost two weeks of like banging my head against the wall and almost not listening to my own advice, right? Like I was bolusing too much. I'm still keeping her blood sugar down. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm bolusing too much. And finally, I said to myself yesterday, I was like, oh, dummy, you're the one who says it on the podcast. If you're bolusing too much, your basil's not right. So I just, right. I just jacked her basil up across the board. And now here she is at school and her blood sugar is 89. And she ate something this morning that I'm fairly certain is not food. So, it, <laughs> so we're back to good again. And I'm going to stay with that until either it doesn't change. And this is an indication to me that her insulin needs have gone up. Or it starts to head back again, and then I can just flip back to the other basal program and go back to what I'm doing. But, okay. But it's, a, it's such an interesting experience to go through because what it, what it tells me to tell other people is, can you imagine if you were doing the carb counting thing? Like just where this is 30 carbs, and that means this much insulin. And it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so this is what my basal should be. Like Arden's body is trying everything it can to make her blood sugar high right now. And I'm, and we're getting spikes and they're not bigger than I'm accustomed to, but they're lasting a little longer than I'm accustomed to. And still I'm keeping her, her average A1C over this time lower. And, and, um, I just didn't know how often, um, do you make changes or do you really not have to, is it just so kind of concrete and the same over and over again? It does change. Um, there are times that I'll change my traceba dose up or down a unit. I just recently I dropped it a unit mm-hmm. um, because it seemed like I was going low overnight every night. And I thought about splitting it into two doses. And I remember doing that with Lantus. I don't want to have to do it twice a day if I don't have to. Right. Because then I was sort of trying to pick like what hour is the hour that I want to do this twice a day every day. Do I want to do it at eight o'clock? Do I want to do it at 10 o'clock? Yeah, <laughs> Try no. to sort of figure on my life. Um, so instead of splitting it, I decided to try dropping it and it seems like it's working. Um, my endo doesn't really give me a lot of guidance. When I switched to Tujeo, he told me, I think, uh, your dose will probably go up about 10%. And when I went back three months later, I said, well, it went up 20%. Okay. And he said, well, nobody's seeing that. 
And I'm like, okay, but mine was 20%. When I went back three months later, he corrected himself. It turns out everyone else is going up 20%. Oh, so okay. like they're throwing, like he's throwing a dart saying, well, the, I don't know, the rep probably told him that this, you know, you need 10% more than you do for Lantis. And it's the same as, you know, you, you and Arden and, and, and the pods, like it's, we're guessing. And yes. then if yeah. that didn't work, try something else. Isn't that great? It, you say, they say stuff like it's just that it's this rule. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be exactly 10%. And this then, is the, you know, this is exactly how it is. No one else is having this problem, but you, <laughs> and then, right. And then you go back and you look and they go, wait a minute. That's not true at all. Is it <laughs> right? This is a disease where your body does whatever it wants to, whenever it feels like it, but it's absolutely going to be a 10% increase. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thanks a lot for your, <laughs> your, your stunning insight into this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't know. And you've talked about it. Like the people who have the experience and really know how this goes are the people who just deal with it every day. Yeah. He yeah. went to school and learned, Oh, there's a problem with the pancreas and you need to take insulin. Right. But yeah, probably not much more than that. And I just, I genuinely believe that, you know, at the base of the tenets of the idea of taking care of blood sugar, it's, it's very, it's very simple. You first have to, Find a way not to be afraid of the insulin. You have to understand completely how the insulin works in your body. When I put it in here, this happens. And you have to stay fluid. There's, mm-hmm. The fluidity is, is just perhaps the most important part. You can't, can't say to yourself, I did this, and no, my blood sugar went up, and oh, well, like that's what happened, I guess. Like, no, it's doing something to you. Do something back to it. But, you know, talking about bad advice that people get or pressure from doctors... I don't know this person, but I saw a person online the other day say that their um, their kid they they were doing that. They were you know I gave him insulin. My you know, son or daughter, I forget what it was. Blood sugar went up. I gave him a little more, and the doctor said that they were stacking, and it mm. was dangerous. And if they didn't stop, they would call child protective services on them. Wow. And I was I thought wow what an incredible misunderstanding of what it is you're directing these people about. You know, like just such an incredible insanity, and it doesn't happen often. Like, I'm her story is not, you know, common, but I hear it enough here where people get a great result, they're so excited, and they go to their doctor, and instead of, you know, instead of getting, hey, what that's amazing, how did you do that? Which a lot of people get, some people get, what are you doing? This is dangerous, stop, and they get mm-hmm. they get scolded instead. Yeah, and it sounds like your guy wants to scold you, but doesn't know enough about it to actually do it. And you kind of cut him down when he tries. He does because he's. I mean, he started so I didn't. Let's see, we're four and a half years. I was about two years in before I got the Dexcom. Okay. Um, so he had handed me like a paper journal and said, "Write your sugars down in here." And I found an app pretty quickly so that I could at least put it on my phone. Mm-hmm. And he'd see my A one C was in sort of the high fives. He's like, I'm just concerned you're going low too often. So he'd flip through the book and not see a ton. And then when I went on the decks, I'd bring him in that 90-day trend. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, this, this looks okay. Forgetting that it's math and the 90-day average is blurring a lot of stuff out of there. Right. Um, so he was totally fine for about a year. And now, now that I'm under five, he's, he's back to freaking out again. And he definitely wants to find something he can yell at me about. Yeah, it's so interesting. So you just basically go in there. You take it. So you can get your prescriptions and get out. Like you're like, I'm yep. going to go take my beating from this guy and get my prescriptions mm-hmm. and get out of here. That's such a shame. Yeah, we disagree on a lot of things. I started at three months, went to four months. You know, now we're at every six months. 
And yeah, I think we disagree on a lot of things. He wants me to take statins. I told him no. Uh, his line was, well, we'll revisit that after you have a heart attack or a stroke. So let's try to scare the patient. Um, and then he taught me nothing about diabetes or how to live with this. Right. And he's going to tell me I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. Wow. Mm, what a pleasant person. So. That's, he's delightful. <laughs> I was just going to say, what a delightful man. Hey, after you have a heart attack, if you're still alive, I'll give you this stat. And then what do you Right. When, I, when I'm proven correct and you die, maybe you'll take this pill now. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I keep thinking about getting another doctor. We have some great, I'm in Cleveland, and we have some great hospitals here. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does give me what I want, and so yeah, do I really want to start over with a new guy? I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Hey, if you don't die, we're going to give you another medication. Please leave your $40 with Debbie on the way out. <laughs> just, exactly. Just that's really doesn't surprise me. I wish it did, I guess. I wish you said that. And I thought I just was like, my jaw hit the desk. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's incredible. But I, it doesn't, it, I, I think that it's interesting. Cause you can, you can diagnose it. He doesn't have a ton of information. Like he's, he doesn't really know what he's talking about that well. And so he just goes right to that. It's really no different than when you're parenting a kid, when you find yourself yelling you're losing. You, you know what I mean? Like you've, you've, you've run out of ways to manipulate an eight-year-old when you're yelling, which by the way is – it's not good news for you and you probably should look into that. But, but you know, when you're, when you're ranting and raving at somebody, it's because you're, you're basically saying, do what I tell you and I can't tell you why it is that you should listen to me because I don't know. Yeah. But, but do it. And, you know, listen. Once, do it. Yeah. Once in a while, by the way, kids get out of control. Sometimes they just need to do something because you're going to lose your mind. But this is a doctor situation. This is different. This is He should be able to say to you, I'd like you to take this medication, and here's why. Based on facts and data and his opinion, it, not just do it because I said so, and if you don't, something really bad's going to happen to you, and ha-ha. Like, that's just a really yeah. strange. Well, you do need to switch doctors. <laughs> Uh, it's such a pain in the butt, too. Exactly. But so, but your personality seems as such, though. Like it's funny. You should switch doctors only because nobody should be treated the way you're being treated. But it doesn't really seem to affect you at all. Like there are people I've spoken to who have gotten talked to by doctors like that. It throws them into a funk. But you really are just of the mindset of just let me get what I need and get out of here. Yeah, I, I mean, I did. I learned everything. You know, the the internet is out there, right? It's we're fortunate to have the tech, technology that we have. Mm-hmm. And you know, he gave me. I think when I was diagnosed, he gave me a prescription for three test strips a day. And within probably five minutes on Google, I thought that doesn't seem right. Right. Um, I'm sure he based it on people are non-compliant and don't test their sugar. But how would you know what you're doing with three test strips? You wouldn't. You wouldn't actually, it's been years now, but I visited, um, well, I went, I went and I gave a, a speech in the Dominican Republic and, um, which was really neat because I had to speak through an interpreter, which I don't think will ever happen oh. again in my life, but was so fancy anyway. Um, <laughs> and, and like, so it would be weird to say something you thought was funny and then hear somebody say something you didn't understand and watch a bunch of people laugh. And I was like, Oh, that worked in another language. And oh, the, the lag would be crazy. Oh, you just stand there for a second going, is this going to land? Is this going to land? And they're laughing and I'll move on. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but anyway, I was there and, you know, an incredibly poor place uh, overall. There's, there's a, a huge divide between the haves and the have-nots. And um, they would get government-assisted 
test trips, 30 a month. So pe- mm. people would then make the decision, do I test myself once a day and randomly take a shot in the dark at this? Or what a lot of people did was they used their 30 test trips to take incredibly good care of themselves for a few days. Wow. And then let the rest of the month go away and wait till they got their 30 test trips back again. It's it just, you can't do, that's not enough data to figure. Th- I mean, listen, in, in general, you know you have a CGM, but once you have the Dexcom, you realize like the data points are nice and they're much better than nothing. It's certainly better than having three a day or, you know, 30 a month or whatever. But, okay. but it's once you can see like the speed and the, and the direction and, you know, that's the, but that's the stuff right there. Like that's when you, yeah. can, you can really figure it out. How much do you end up using Dexcom though? Because do you, I mean, what's a big spike to you? I will start correcting anything based on the trend. I'll start correcting at 115. Okay. Um, big spikes. I was at 150 yesterday, and I have for the life of me, I have no idea why. Right. Um, but it, I mean, I'll get over 200. Like you know, if I go on vacation, I'm leaving town this weekend. Mm-hmm. I won't be low carb because I'm going to do what I want to do. Right. So if I go sit and have pizza later tonight, I may chase a number for an hour. Okay. Um, but you get it, you'll you'll go aggressively at it. You'll get it back pretty quickly. I will hammer the heck out of it. Yeah. Um, I thought about it when I started listening to the podcast. You know, you talked about fear of insulin, and I thought, why was I never afraid of this? Yeah. And it's because I didn't I didn't know enough to know that it could kill me. Yeah. I had no clue. Isn't that interesting. So it was like, oh, let me just go figure out what amount I need to take for this. It really is. He funny. didn't tell me. Even people who've, you know, have had diabetes for a very long time, when you think back to their beginnings in 20 or 30 years ago, and they'll always tell you, look, look at me, I'm fine. That is really most of them. They're like, look, I'm fine. And I didn't have a CGM, and I didn't know this, and I know that. I'm like, yeah, I hear you. I mean, like, but that is where that ignorance is is kind of blissful. It's like, well, if I didn't die, then I'm okay. And, right. You know, and that's not true. Like that's, or, or, or at least it's a very strange way to measure something. You, you know, there's like, like there's no levels of, of quality. There's just dead and not dead. And, and it's, you know, it, it, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, like, yeah. and so don't, you can't give the, you can't give away what, what today brings us with the data. It's, it's just too, it's too amazing. And it's amazing. You know, it's just too helpful i guess it, it it leads you into the right spot and i feel terrible when i hear people say like it's overwhelming and i'm like oh you're thinking about it wrong like you're you're thinking about it like like a grade like it's this constant grade you're getting it's not that it's just you look back at it and you say oh i see what happened here like i took insulin at eight o'clock and my blood sugar went to 170 and then it sat there and it never came back down again. I probably could have just used a little more insulin. You know, my pre, right. my pre balls looked good, but I didn't have enough. Or even you can see in the in the in the steepness is steepness a word in the <laughs> steep in the steep na- mm-hmm. oh the incline. You can tell by the incline of the of the spike. See how I just skip right over the fact that I'm <laughs> just move on. Yeah, yeah. The, you can tell by the incline. Often I can tell by the incline of the spike on the Dexcom. Is this timing or amount related because because a timing related spike you know kind of gradually goes up like the 
like the Swedish hill climber on The Price is Right. It's just, it's that gradual, yeah. like, and you're like, oh, it's going to stop, it's going to stop. It just never stops. He gets to the end, <laughs> and falls off the end, and you're just like, oh. And then Bob Barker reminds you to take your dog's testicles or something, and it's over. <laughs> and so, like, but, but that really gradual climb, to me, means it's more about timing. Because you almost have the right amount of insulin in there, but the fight is just being lost. And yep. so maybe a little more pre-bolts and maybe a little more insulin, but uh, definitely a little more pre would have been the answer. When, when you put your insulin in and your blood sugar shoots straight up, that was not enough insulin because th- you didn't even get – the insulin didn't even get – now, you could – don't get me wrong. You could take insulin right this second and start eating from the sugar bowl with a spoon. And even if you took enough insulin, you're going to see a spike because the, the food's still going to get ahead of the insulin. But yeah. generally speaking – a quick up just means you missed on the amount of the insulin. But you must have pretty similar meals because I hate to say this, but I, I did eat low carb for a while. Like I said, years ago, there aren't as many options, right? Like you're a little limited on options, aren't you? I don't probably, I don't know that I feel like I am a lot of days because I eat, I do eat the same stuff a lot and I live alone. So I bulk cook on the weekends and then you know, for the last week, I've eaten a chicken parm dish and a chicken with cheese and salsa dish. You know, one for lunch, one for dinner every day. Um, are you the? I'll, I'm sorry. Are you the type of the type of low carb person really inclined? My language is shot today. <laughs> Do you? I see some people online. Here's how I should have started. Who somehow take like you know the husk of a coconut shell and cottage cheese and a pinch of salt and end up with bread and they're like low carb and and I and I and I think to myself, but that can't taste good. But but okay, and they're eating it. And they're ha- they seem incredibly happy and all that. But you don't do you go to those lengths to create um, like similar foods out of different ingredients? No. Okay. okay. I, I like to eat, but I don't like to spend a ton of time cooking. Gotcha. Um, so I've bought the cookbooks where, you know, you can take flax and all sorts of magic flowers and make all sorts of great things. And the technology really has changed. You can make some of these things, you can bake cookies that actually taste like cookies. Right. Um, but it's a lot of work. So I'm going to buy the taco seasoning at the grocery store and throw it in some chicken and drop cheese on it and dip it in salsa. Yeah. Dana, I respect your, um, your desire to want to keep a balance. Yeah, I, 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 I seriously do. Because, you know, absolutely. Because I see, you do see some people who are like, you know, we're low carb or we're this or, or you know, even the measurement, like the measurement people, like I measure everything out and they, there's a picture of their kitchen. Everything's got like in baggies with like 15C written on it and 27C and 3C. I'm like, oh my God, is it really that worth being alive? Like, like, <laughs> Like, I'm having a good time and all, but I haven't even seen a great movie in six months. I don't know how much effort it's really valuable. Like, at what point am I spending so much time staying alive that that's really my life? You know, and it's, yeah. it's even my idea with using the way I use insulin, which is I needed to find a way where we were getting great results, but I wasn't spending every waking second with this thing. You, right. you know, because at that point, really, like, what's the point? You know, yeah. like, 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 should we maybe just 
you know, do our best and go live some like fun life on an island, which now there's global warming. Islands don't exist anymore because of the hurricanes, but that's not the point. <laughs> By the way, we're all going to be riding polar bears soon. So <laughs> what's going to happen is this is my expectation. And please keep in mind that I don't know a lot about geography or science, but um, I think the polar ice caps are melting. The polar bears are going to run towards America. When they get through Canada, they're going to be very sick and tired. We're going to be able to easily lasso them and ride them like ponies. And oh, then, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll ride them right into the apocalypse because um the un said the other day that in like a decade the planet's going to be seven degrees hotter so if a that's the united nations and b seven degrees seems untenable to me so i um yeah right you might as well we're gonna be, stop we're gonna ride the polar parts. bear to the hurricane yeah, at I, that point hey a flying polar bear is what <laughs> you've just said so this episode is now called flying polar bears there's no way i'm gonna <laughs> be awesome. talked off of that idea and um <laughs> And I'm going to probably spend a little bit of time, like, making a polar bear, putting wings on it. And and I don't know why. If I find enough free time, that is what I'm going to do. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is uh, the life's going to hell. And uh, and, and so you jo- I'm trying to say you need to, you need to enjoy your life. Like, you don't know where we're going, right? Like, you don't know yep. how much time you have left. Like, look at you. You were one day, like, everything's fine. And then everything wasn't fine. And what if the everything that wasn't fine wasn't something that's like, hey, here's some insulin. Look, you're fine again. You, you right. know, like, what if it was like, hey, go, why don't you go find your loved ones and tell them how much you care about them? Like, you know, and so it, with that, with life being finite, with the polar ice caps melting, with the flying polar bears and everything else that is happening, I don't want to spend my entire life crushing flaxseed into cookies or, <laughs> right, or counting yep. or, or putting food onto a scale, which right. I tried in the past and found it almost depressing. Like, like just that, like, Hey, everyone's ready. To eat. Let me just find out how much this noodles is for you. And then, no. and I never was right. Anyway, I count the carbs. Perfect. I'm weighing it at this point, looking on the box. I'm like, okay, this is 50 carbs, 50 carbs, blood sugar shoots straight up. Okay. <laughs> you know, like now I've depressed everybody. We've reminded everyone before dinner that Arden has diabetes by going, <laughs> Hey, where's that scale? You, you know, and so it's just an incredibly, it's an oppressive way to live. I'm just against being oppressed at all, unless it is by polar bear overlords who somehow <laughs> somehow figure out how to live even though it gets warm. And and so because they would deserve it at that point, Dana. If, oh, sure. if yeah, if they figured out how to deal with the heat, then they deserve to run things. And I'm not manic, by the way. In case anyone wonders, I have no <laughs> mental illness that I'm aware of. This episode's gone astray. But but no, but seriously, like it I don't want people, I don't want myself, and I hate to think of other people spending so much time doing things that are preparatory for life that they're not just living. And I think right. there's a way around that. I think you have found a completely viable way around that. I think I have found a completely viable way around that. Our our two ways are I mean, couldn't probably be much, you know, farther apart, right? Like, right. I'm, I'm saying, eat whatever you want, and you're like, yeah, I'm pretty much keeping my carbs pretty low. But you're yeah. still, you're still, and tell me about this a little bit. Are you still employing the things from the podcast, even though you're lower carbs? It's basically, yeah. It's I'm basically managing everything the same way you do with Arden, just with different tools. Interesting. Um, and I bought you like, and I, like I said, I didn't start listening to the podcast until the spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to Ashley who told me you should contact Scott, uh, wherever you are. Well, thank you. Ashley. Um, right. Uh, I was at a JDRF event and she said, Hey, you're on MDI. You should be on the juice box podcast. 
and then I listen to the Juice Box podcast. Hey, thank you. Uh, hey, this yeah. is how it gets around, people. Keep going. Tell some more people. You know, word of mouth is how I found out about Dexcom. I didn't know anything about continuous glucose monitoring until one day my daughter's nurse practitioner brought it up in a story that you've probably heard me tell. But what you don't know is a week or two later, a woman I knew online asked me about it as well. And then I started thinking, okay, well, let me find out more about this. You know, now the nurse practitioner brought it up. Lorraine brought it up. I should probably look into it. That was it. There was no grand epiphany. Fireworks didn't go off. There wasn't a big banner hanging outside of my house that said, try continuous glucose monitoring. I just had heard about it enough from people I trusted, and I thought, I'm going to try this too. I was looking for anything that could make our days with diabetes healthier, easier, less stressful, less worrisome. I thought, I'll give it a try. What could it hurt? And now all this time later, it's the core of what we talk about here on the podcast. I'm looking at Arden's blood sugar right now. It's Sunday night at 10 p.m. Arden's blood sugar 78. We just got home from a movie a couple of hours ago. She ate a giant tub of popcorn while we were there. Every time I used insulin in that movie theater, it was based off of the data I was getting back from the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. You ever try to bolus in a movie theater for popcorn while you're watching a movie? I'll tell you right now, I don't know how you do it without a Dexcom. Because prior to it, I uh, I didn't know how either. But now I know. And you could too. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. There's also links at juiceboxpodcast.com or in the podcast player. Show notes you're listening to right now. Take the leap. It's it, and I'm I'm working through the past now. So I I listened to you at the gym. I listened to you last night mowing the lawn. You know I'm working my way through history, um, and I I sort of laughed because it's it's kind of what I do. And I bought the Dr. Bernstein book, and I bought Sugar Surfing, and I haven't read either of them. But I started the Bernstein book, and I just I had to stop. I didn't like it, um, and I eat low carb, and I still didn't like it. Um, but it is, it's, it's just constant needles. But I, and I think if I was a parent and I was doing this with a three-year-old, that kid would have had a pump the day they'd give it to me because I can't imagine stabbing a kid all the time. Can you imagine a kid eating low carb? No, but I see them on, I see them online that do it. Yeah. That their parents are very much into cooking, but they do, they bake a lot of treats. They just don't have sugar in them. But that pro- um, the problem ends up being is that at some point that kid grows up and you're not going to be there anymore. And and maybe you'll teach them how to cook like that and it'll be great. But there's still like even you just said, look, I'm going away. I'm probably having pizza. Like, by the way, right. by what you said, you're not probably having pizza. You're totally definitely having pizza. But no, it, this time we're not. We're going to the we're going to the Gulf. Okay. A friend and I are going and I'm like, I'm going to eat shrimp for three days. Oh, that's nice. Um, but early in August, I went up to Detroit, which is where I grew up for a baseball game. And we ate pizza five times in three days and is and is your ability to deal with that pizza with insulin is it not as strong as you'd like it to be or do you do pretty well it varies uh, sometimes it's a it's an absolute disaster you know that number hits 250 and i'm like all right so we're just going to pound on this until it comes down right um other times i feel like i am a genius i've solved this problem <laughs> but a lot of it is that timing thing i yeah. mean it, it really is i had dinner with a friend this week and when the food came, I said, I didn't think that was going to come as fast as it did. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she doesn't know a ton about what I, you know, go through with type one. And I'm like, it's going to go up. 
and I'll deal with it later. And she saw me, we went to a concert and she saw me reaching for my purse and she's like, okay, I thought that's what you were doing. Cause then I needed another dose. Right. Cause I could see the number climbing and I'm like, yeah, that's not going to come back by itself. Yeah. And so do you think that if you ate more carbs, you'd get better? I mean, it, it stands, yeah. awesome. you'd get better at it. And so sure. you're sort of making my point about raising a kid with this idea that like carbs don't exist because one day they might, one day that kid might go to college and be like, Oh my God, why did no one tell me about this? You, Absolutely. You know, right. And then, then their tools are like, if you want to learn how to use the insulin and then eat low carb, I think that is, I, I listen, I genuinely, I hope people understand. I don't care what you do. It really doesn't matter to me. Uh, but, sure. but you know, like, but in my mind, what makes sense to me is you at least have to know how to do it because this child could get a bite of a pizza one day and, and, and really, and let's be clear, if you're, if you're having your kid eat low carbs and you're smashing flaxseed to make cookies and all that other stuff, when your 18 year old eats a slice of pizza, the first time they're not with you, they're going to curse and your name's going to be included in that sentence because, yep. because pizza's so good. And, uh-huh. and, you know, and, and, you know, and then that's going to lead them to go, what about a pancake? And, you know, and then, and pancakes going to take them to a waffle and a waffle is going to take them to a big cheeseburger with a beautiful roll. That's just a little crunchy on the outside and soft on the inside. And then they're going to probably never come home again. Or at the very least, they're, they're not going to know what to do with their insulin. Right. They're going to come home with an A1C of 10 because, <laughs> because you were like, no, that's not true. By the way, this works for some things. For instance, I, um, I don't like soccer. And by the way, to the person, there's a person who listens who played soccer at Duke who always is like, stop using soccer as a reference for things that are boring and not fun. I'm sorry about this, but I don't like soccer. So when my son was little, we drove down the street one day, we stopped at a red light. There were all these people playing soccer on this field. Kids like four years old. He goes, what are those people doing? And bless my wife, she looked right at him, straight face, and said, I have no idea. And we waited for the light to turn green, and we drove away, because <laughs> neither of us wanted our kid to play soccer, which is right or wrong. I don't know. You decide. But, but the point is, <laughs> you can't do that with everything, because, no. because, because then we later took my son, and we were like, here's a baseball. Hold this. It, yeah. you know, like, and, and you, but that kid's going to figure out carbs one day. And, and maybe they'll hate them and maybe they'll like them and maybe you'll have done such an amazing job of laying it out in front of them that they'll they'll just do it themselves. But I saw my son's dorm room and I don't know where he can crush flaxseed there. So <laughs> seriously, you, you know, like, no chance. you got to live in the world you're in. Right. He's eating in a cafeteria. He's got to eat what's there. Orlando listeners, I'm coming to you soon. I'll be speaking at Touched by Type 1. All you need to do to see me is go to dancingfordiabetes.com and go to the events tab. There you'll see Touched by Type 1. It's going to be May 18th, 2019 from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's right, a full day of diabetes extravaganza. Learn more at dancingfordiabetes.com. You didn't hear me say I was going to kill the polar bears. Once they're here, I got to adapt. There's an adaption that happens throughout life. And I think that... And I'll get a tiny bit preachy here. Danny, you don't have kids, so you can sit, right? You don't have children? I do not. You don't. So sit back. You don't have to be a part of this for a second. I can Go get for a, it. I can get a tiny bit preachy here about kids. When your children are young and you have like all this energy and you're like, I'm 30 and I'm going to make a smart baby that's going to do smart things and be super healthy. That's nice. But that doesn't really, you can't keep that going forever. And it's an unrealistic goal. Like at some point, your kid's going to go be a real person. And I'm not saying, I'm not even painting some horror picture of like, you know, you can do whatever you want with them, lock them in a closet, but they're going to end up a heroin addict. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, I'm saying that there's what you think you're doing right now by shaping this kid 
it's incredibly valuable and you are going to shape them. And then the minute they leave, they're going to take what you told them and then they're going to reform themselves completely. And it, sure. and it could go in a completely opposite way that you were imagining. So just give them all the tools. It would be like if I didn't, so we don't drink. It's not, okay. a, it's not a moral decision. My wife doesn't drink. I don't drink. We've just never really been into alcohol. So that could have gone either way for my kids, right? They could have either been like, I wonder mm-hmm. what this is, or sure. you know, this is how we do it. So my son doesn't drink. And he doesn't drink in high school. And then he goes off to college and actually calls me a couple weeks into college and says, hey, I got some nice um, feedback from some older kids on the team. Um, they're really impressed that I don't drink. And I wow. thought, and I thought, oh, that's great, good for you. Like I didn't make a big deal out of it or anything like that. But we still had incredible conversations about it when he was younger. I didn't not tell him anything about alcohol and just hope that what I was leading him towards was what he was always going to do. So yeah. there was a moment when you know a week into his college life, they're having a crab bake at the baseball house or something like that, and he's got to make a decision. Like, is this the day I'm going to pick this beer up because? I want these guys to like me or because I feel proud or for whatever reason, maybe I just want to try it. Mm-hmm. And, and he had enough conversation, enough data, I guess, from growing up to say, Oh no, I can stick with this. And I think you just need to do that. If you're going to, you're going to feed your kid low carb his whole life. They have to be prepared to make that decision on their own. Right. And, and I, I would worry about that a little bit. If it was me, if it was my son, I'd be worried. What have I done? Have I, have I eliminated a part of a realistic part of life that they might have to know how to deal with one day? I, right. I and, and, and you're going to have to, I mean, it's, it's out there. You go to, you know, I work for a big company. There's work functions where there's food. Yeah. Like you could just not eat, right. you know, there's holiday events and things like that. And we used to have a holiday event every year at an Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. I had it written down in my phone so that I would know the next year at the holidays. Okay. Dose about this much. Yeah. Um, because I was going to eat pasta. Right. I talked to Ryan the other day. He's an adult who has type one. He's been on the podcast before. And he said something to me I never even said to him. But he, he talked about uh, the pressure of a work function needing to wanting to look normal at the work function. Not, not wanting people to think, oh, there's the guy with the diabetes or not, not wanting to mm. get low or you know, hear beeping. I never even thought about that before as an adult. Like, you know, because Arden is kind of incredibly open with her diabetes so sure. I've never seen her say something like, you know, don't pull that out here. Don't give me insulin here. She's never had that feeling. But as Ryan said it, I thought, boy, a lot of people must feel this way. I, I think it's, yeah, it's a major issue. I hit it when I was initially diagnosed. I would grab my insulin and go wandering off to the bathroom and, and do injections there. Mm-hmm. And that ship sailed a long time ago. Yeah. But we recently reconfigured where I am at work. And the cubicles we're in are much more open and I made a joke to somebody. I said, well, everyone is going to see me bleed at my desk now. At some point, yeah. <laughs> Between checking my sugar or, you know, doing injections. Like, I'm going to be sitting at my desk, lifting my shirt up a little bit, and it's just going to happen. Right. Yeah, because I, I just, I hate the idea of going into a restroom. You know what's funny? I'm going to, can I finish with a story? Sure. This is incredibly odd. So years and years and years ago, and I mean a really long time ago, I was in a restaurant with my children. Kelly, Kelly must have been working. We make Kelly work 24 hours a day because we need things. And so Kelly was working, and I was out to a dinner with my kids. And we were getting done and leaving. And there was this really young girl, and I'm going to put her age at like 10 maybe. And she was sitting at her table, and she was ejecting insulin into her side. Mm. And it caught my eye. 
And, sure. and then I remember the parents kind of looking up at me like, I didn't know what they were thinking, but my concern was that they were thinking, oh God, don't judge us or don't say anything or anything. So I just, then in that awkwardness, I stopped and I said, hey, I'm sorry to bother you. My daughter has type one diabetes too. And she, they said, oh, hello. And that, that, there was a kind of a calm that came over them. And I looked at the little girl and I said, I just wanted to let you know, I'm so proud of you for just taking care of your stuff right here at the table and not running off to the bathroom. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And I'm just, it's so great to see you taking such good care of yourself and, and, and being brave about it and being out in, in the open about it. And I said something like that. And we talked for a couple of yeah. seconds and we walked away. That's awesome. Six months, six months ago, I got jury duty notice. And I called up and I said, hey, listen, my kid's got type 1 diabetes. And um, I, ma- I help her manage her diabetes throughout the day. I said, I don't care about coming to your jury duty or not. I'm happy to do it. But is there a situation where I can always have my phone available to me? And the person said, no, actually, you know, that wouldn't work. But because of the diabetes, I'm happy to give you like a waiver or something like that. As a matter of fact, my 18-year-old daughter's leaving for college, and she has type 1 diabetes. And we talked for a couple of minutes, and it was the woman from the restaurant from 10 years ago. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, this is incredible. Like, like I, I couldn't even believe it. And she, and she figured it out. And, and, and she just goes, because it's a, it's a local court, like, so it's not crazy that she might live locally and everything, too. And she just she said it out loud. She goes, are you the person from the, from the restaurant? And she starts telling the story. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. Wow. And, and I was like, I said, I thought for sure you were going to say um, from a podcast that I do. And she goes, wait, that's your podcast? And I was oh. like, I said, what? And she goes, the one with the juice box? And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, it was like such a nice thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and she, then she told me, what an impactful thing that was for her daughter. Her daughter was newly diagnosed. I didn't realize how newly. Oh. And she's like, what you said to her, like, kind of shaped how she thought about it after that. And I said, oh, this is wonderful. Like, I just, I never felt so nice about something. And bonus, didn't have to go to jury duty. And, you know, and so, uh, and, and had I known, by the way, I would have started with like, hey, I'm the guy that gave your daughter that great advice. Please don't make me come to jury duty. But <laughs> I would have been a complete butthead about it <laughs> Can I get right. out of it? but no isn't that isn't that just insane like of all the random mm-hmm. multiple interactions with the same person I, I mean i think it also makes the point that when you say something to somebody at a at an informative time in their life it is important what you say to them because it it, it really does have a lasting effect like that little girl was ready to hear something and she heard it and what if i was the person who looked at her and went oh my god what are you doing go in the bathroom like be ashamed of this yeah, you, you know, like that. How easily that might have changed her life. Oh, in a completely different direction. You, you know, it just really struck me after she said that, and I got off the phone, and my wife's like, "What just happened?" I'm like, "The diabetes just got me out of jury duty, I think, but not in the way, that, <laughs> not in the way that I thought it was going to." And, right. And and you know, and but I just it really struck me then, like for all the people here, something kind of crappy at some point, and then you hear them talk on this podcast when they're 35 about something they're still hiding because of something that happened in their childhood. I actually got to see it like, yeah. and it, it, it's so important, you know, and how do you protect from seeing a jerk at a, a restaurant? You, you know, I don't know, but I love that you don't hide. I love that you're jabbing yourself at your desk and like, <laughs> it became a joke now. And there's, it turned out there's actually several people that I work with who have connections to type one. Mm-hmm. 
but though I had no idea. They didn't know I had it. I didn't know they had connections. And there was a woman who saw my, my Dexcom the one day on my arm, and she's like, is that a pump? Oh. Said, no, it's a, it's a CGM. And she's like, oh, my son has type 1. Um, and he's, he's on a pump but doesn't want the Dexcom. And now she just told me recently his, I think his CDE or his endo, talked him into trying the G6. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes, whether he likes it or not. Yeah, isn't it funny? There's there's some sort of a level of I get that everybody gets their own opinion, and you know, but oh, gosh, whether he likes it or not, again, I, you know, I've, I haven't said this in a long time, but it's like if you needed a heart monitor, and you're like, nah, I'll be art right without it. Don't worry, I'll just it'll be fine. You, you, you know, I'll, I'll plug yep. in every once in a while to see what my heart's doing. No, no, your heart's pretty weak. I think you need this full time on. No, no, no. I just I, I wish that I wish that everybody could lead into the technology in an open moment for themselves because I think that is what it is. Like, do they have preconceived notions or built in biases or, or something like biases, biases, incline steep. I'm not doing well today, but they have, but they have like built in fears or concerns. Right. And I wish, I wish everybody had the opportunity to try the stuff before they had those. And then if they yeah. don't, li- if they don't like them, then they don't like them. But I hate to hear people who are right off the bat, like, Oh, I don't want that. And I'm like, you don't, you don't even know what it is, you know? Right. That's how I was. My endo brought it after a year. He brought up a Dexcom, mm-hmm. and I said, I analyze data. I look at numbers all day long. I thought I would do nothing but stare at my phone all day yeah. if I had this technology. So I waited another year, and then once I found out about the share feature, and like I said, I live alone, right? Um, and realized, wait, other people could find out, you know, if I might be dying in the middle of the night. That seems like a really good idea. Yep. And, and I would I wouldn't give it back for anything now. Of course. And isn't it funny how you got led into it? You got the it was the don't die alarm that got you. You were like, okay, I don't want to mm-hmm. and, and now you see all the other things that come with it. And, yep. and and it would have been hard back then. Can you imagine back then if if someone would have sat to you and tried to explain to you like all the benefits of seeing the data, you would have been like, What? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Some, I would have thought I had plenty of data already. Right. You know, I stick my finger ten times a day. I know everything I need. Yeah. No, totally wrong. Yeah, it's really something. Well, live and learn. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's all. Okay. I don't know. This was fun. I don't know if we did anything, but I did have a really good time talking to you. <laughs> it's been it's absolutely been fantastic. I'm really glad we did this. Cool. I, I am too. I'm excited that you're going on vacation because I wish I was, um, and I feel happy for you. But oh, thank you. It got cold here today, so I'm ready to go someplace else. It is. It happened here too. It was very humid yesterday and hot, and the air conditioner was running. And this morning I got up and I was like, "Wow, it's really cold outside." So somebody flipped the winter switch. Yeah, I think you're a day behind us. We had the heat through Wednesday, okay. and now dropped a little bit yesterday. And today I'm walking around my house, wondering, wondering where my socks are. Tell me something. When I come up to Ohio in a couple of weeks, is it going to be cold by then? Like really cold? Uh, you're going to Cincinnati, aren't you? Yes, on the so third of it, November. It won't be as bad. I'm all the way up in Cleveland, and I think we're supposed to be in the 50s for a while. So I would guess maybe Cincinnati 60 something. Oh, that's great. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I don't think it'll be terrible. You've made my day. I was supposed to go to <laughs> Chicago for something the week after, and I ended up not being able to. But that even worried me. I was like, oh, I don't want to be cold. I, I hope I'm not wrong because then I'll be I'll get called out at your live event. <laughs> Thanks, Dana. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Dana, for being on the Juicebox podcast. What a great time I had talking to you. Yes, thanks indeed, Dana, for coming on the Juicebox podcast. Thank you for being open and honest about your life. And let's be honest, I was a little chatty today, so thanks for being patient with me. Thanks also to Omnipod, Dexcom, Dancing for Diabetes, and Real Good Foods. Remember a couple of things. 
You can always go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box, myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, dancing the number four diabetes.com or realgoodfoods.com. Now, when you go to realgoodfoods.com, use the offer code juice box at checkout to save 20%. And when you find yourself at myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, don't forget that you can get a free, no obligation, experience kit. For those of you enjoying the Diabetes Pro Tip series, good news, I'll be back next week with more of that series with Jenny Smith, CDE.